It's those two assholes. <clears throat> those two idiots you saw me talking to at the third rail. Just he doesn't want to touch the third rail. That's you've hit the third rail for sure. That, that is the third rail, saying white people have interest. Third rail. The third rail here is uh, another wonderful show on our on the uh, TRS network. And it's the third rail. You will be destroyed. It's the third rail. You will be destroyed. Watch out for the third rail, baby. That's how folks in the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Like Facebook AI correctly identifying videos with primates, this is happening. It is episode 213, 213 of the most huggable COVID and Holocaust denying, uh, excuse me, fact checking podcast on the air since 1973 the third rail we're coming to you almost live in the mobile third rail studio this time from labor day weekend in texas where hose mad hose mad hose mad hi how are you it is specter joining me today will be dark enlightenment and apache he's going to be joining us probably in a few minutes but apache is with me now and combining the three of us this ups the asperger scale on the show to levels that shouldn't be possible how are you doing apache hey specter i'm doing good it's good to be back it's good to be back home on the third rail Good to have you back. I actually was thinking about uh, – it was one of our little private conversations in our, our group chat. Uh, having to explain to uh, your GF or whatever uh, that you don't actually have Asperger's. You just use the word spurging out or your spurgery <laughs> or your autism over like you know guns and movies or whatever. Yeah. And that, yeah, that actually erupted. Uh, I, I had a similar conversation shortly after that, and I was like, Jesus Christ, it's universal. Women just don't understand. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty funny, sort of having that that terminology, and then obviously getting to uh, you know, just using it loose hand in a conversation, be like, oh yeah, by the way, like I'm obviously like I don't I don't actually have autism. This is just me talking about how I'm watching a movie and trying to like decide what type of uh, gun the guy is holding when they show it for a, a split second, <laughs> which like nobody would really care about. Right. Well, well, you know how they say when you're explaining yourself, you're losing the argument. I feel like when you're explaining, you don't have autism, you might have <laughs> autism. Yes. But, but yeah, I, uh, it does worry me that we get too much into our own uh, echo chamber. And speaking of echo chambers in the control booth, snug in his weighted blanket with his Eva Braun waifu pillow. It's our producer TV's Frank. How are you doing? Frank? boy. I'm from South Germany. <laughs> oh my god. Well, it is a content desert this weekend, most likely because of Labor Day. So basically you're gonna take whatever we give you today and you're gonna like it. Um we actually have a whole lot of prep that we didn't dig into. So we're just gonna be learning about this stuff as we go. Uh Apache, you did see that tweet that I, I posted in our group chat about the faux tough guy thing. Uh, what's his name? No, I don't even have it in front of me. Uh, yeah, that, that like Polish guy or no? no yeah, Jay. No, no, no. Jay. This is Jay Leeson. Um, he tweets out: If tomorrow you wear a gun exposed in a public place where families and kids are around, I'm going to be a real tempted to unholster you, pistol whip you, and teach you some West Texas manners. And you look at the guy, and he's you know wearing his affected uh, light colored seersucker suit because he wants to look like he's an authentic populist and southerner and he i mean the soy just drips off of him but 
he calls himself a prairie populist, I guess more like a fairy populist, but it, it, I actually did some reading on his background and some of the stuff he's written. And his idea of populism is basically just the Google HR department uh, handbook. It's it's that sad. Yeah, I thought it was funny that he, he comes up with this really tough guy statement um, about people open carrying guns. Like he's he and then he goes on to completely walk back that statement in the next tweet saying, all right, Twitter streets. In a previous post, I popped off and said I'd be tempted to pistol whip a non-law enforcement open carrier in a public place. I don't find that very responsible and looking for trouble and all hat version of the Second Amendment. Of course, I have no problem with concealed. Many of us have taken the concealed carry courses. I have plenty of guns and absolutely no record of violence or anything of the sort. I popped off. And get plenty of popping off back. It's your constitutional right. I respect that. Now let's argue about something else. Of course, this is after he's completely ratioed. And it's like, it's so weird to take that stance. Like, oh, I'm going to be a tough guy about people open carrying guns. But actually, I'm a big gun guy. I have a lot of guns. And I think it's fine to have a gun as long as you tuck it in your waistband. And people can't see it. It's just, uh, you know, he came out really strong and then just completely got steamrolled by people telling him that he's a faggot and uh yeah this this is the kind of thing that you all you will often see particularly like in the south uh the guy wants to be like the token well he calls himself a populist and not a conservative but he wants to be like the token acceptable media uh populist guy you know uh ruralite uh he's the voice of the ruralites but he he you know he walks around in this seersucker suit i'm sure he has a fedora somewhere um, you know, fake cowboy boots. He wants to appear to the 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 media types who are you know just to a man uh, shit libs and and leftists and 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 Jews. As I can be the one who's like the the guy who I'm the gun guy. I'm cool, but at the same time I believe everything else you 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 guys believe. But I'm just going to speak to these people as if I'm one of them. And it's it's I mean, I guess I guess I got to give him uh, kudos for at least, you know, walking it back and apologizing openly. But it's just it's so obvious that, you know, he's just uh, just a faux tough guy. And it's you see this increasingly in like the Antifa media, the the bloggers, the post or whatever that they just they want to affect this faux patriotism. Like we're the real Americans instead of those neo Nazis and white supremacists and. You know, we're we're Americans because we support the tranny flag and and more refugees and and white display. I mean, it's it's just also tiresome. But if, yeah, if this is going to be the new TikTok challenge, you know, to to unholster <laughs> uh, open carriers, by all means, I'd like to see this play out. Yeah, it's going to be the the new no lacking challenge for for gay guys in Texas. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just such a dumb line to draw in the sand and. Um, yeah, it's it's like it made me think of those. Um, we got some interviews back in, say, like I think around the time, like post George Floyd BLM riots, uh, sort of around the time of of Kyle Rittenhouse, um, you know, uh, delivering justice to those pedophiles in Kenosha. Um, there are you know there are all these interviews with these like boo boy guys who are wearing plate carriers and carrying AR-15s and with like a you know like a don't tread on me patch and they're like oh yeah i'm this is the real america i i support blm i'm for trannies i think that you know it's like the typical thing like i think i think donald trump jr even posted something identical to this like we should be able to 
guard our our weed plants on our land with ar-15s and you know protect trannies basically and that's the uh that's americanism with the the second amendment is great as long as it's in support of uh protecting drug drug manufacturers and and people who cut their penises off yeah it's 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 funny as um actually what you just said reminded me of the there's a series uh i think it's on I don't know where it is. Uh, it's called Lillehammer. It's about this mobster that moves, uh, gets witness relocated to to Lillehammer, Norway. Oh yeah, kind that's of a fish with, out of water uh, thing. Stevie Van Zant from Silvio yeah, and it's 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 not a terrible yeah, it's not a terrible show. And it was kind of interesting and and, and and amusing in a lot of ways. But I think by the thir- second or third season, of course, you know Netflix or whomever got a hold of it and they started pausing it up. And uh, at one point, there's like a, a cook who works for Stevie Van Zant, and he's black. Uh, he's like a refugee in, in Norway, and uh, some guys try to you know jump him because that's you know when you think about Norway, you think hey let's just you know it, it's a whole bunch of white guys constantly jumping blacks right, but they <laughs> yeah, jumped tech, in. And, those and so, techno Vikings just coming out of the valley and gaining up in some poor unsuspecting ninety pound Ethiopian refugee. That's that's exactly. what happens. Yeah, but so C V Van Zant because you know they have to bring in the whole heroic. You know, bringing in the American values of diversity and all that, so they they jump in there because Stevie Van Zandt's a badass mobster, and he you know he and his buddy whip a whole bunch of asses and sort of dragging the black guy away from the 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 ruffians, the uh, the Norwegian guy who's with him. He's like, "That's what you get for fucking with our niggers." <laughs> okay, I'm I'm not down with this show, but uh, I, I'm amused by this uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, you disrespected me. I'm gonna have to fucking kill you. But don't you dare try to step up to one of our blacks. Don't forget. Really shitty impression, but um, but yeah, it's um, just on the on the broader topic of that, they really do like any. There's so few good shows nowadays. There there's so few and far between. But when there is a good show, when like the rare good show breaks through, and it just has this sort of like alpha male characters or whatever, and it's it's unapologetically like that, like. Um, they'll they'll do two seasons or so of a good show that people like that normal people like that will you know they'll bring them in and then come season three they'll just once you're already like once people are already invested in the characters once people have gotten into the show they completely do a bait and switch and they just pause it up and it's like a completely different show I used to watch this show Billions on Showtime and it's basically about the face off between this. You know, hedge fund. Interestingly enough, hedge fund manager who's played by a goy, Damian Lewis, but uh, is is supposed to be uh, representative of Stephen A. Cohen from SAC Capital, and then you know the his face off with the um, the uh, U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. But first two seasons were decent, and then in the third season they add this completely completely unbelievable gender non-binary character who's like this woman with this like autistic woman with a shaved head who talks like a robot and is despite being autistic and being this financial whiz has like the most empathy of all the characters on the show and it's just totally fucking unbelievable it, it totally it's it's so distracting and it's it they after two seasons they just flipped it to that so yeah it's a tale as old as at least 30 years. I mean, even going back to something like The Sopranos, you know, the first season, mm-hmm. Tony Soprano was based 
um, you know, telling his daughter not to, you know, to stay away from the Moulinons and and this and that. But by the you know last couple of seasons, he's covering up for some you know gay made man uh, yeah. on his crew, and you know he's a good earner. I don't care that he's, he's a good earner. Yeah. And it's 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 so tiresome. But hey, uh, speaking of uh, good shows, uh, I forgot to mention this earlier. Borzoi and I are thinking about taking this thing up a notch, um, and. Probably going to debut this next uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, it's not going to be a lengthy third reel. It's going to be just the two of us, kind of after hours, uh, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever it takes. And, you know, just to kind of catch things in the middle of the week instead of uh, trying to do a full roundup. And uh, if you go to the Bang Forum, there will, will be a thread for people to submit topic ideas. It's not a place for discussion. It's not a place for banter. It's it's just you're you waste our time. But if you have if you see something out there that you know you think would be a good topic, post it there. We'll take a look at it. We'd rather do a show with just one good topic than five mediocre ones. This is going to be like a very lean and mean uh, second third rail for the week. So if you enjoy us, and I don't know why you do, um, we'll be coming at you twice as much, or at least one point five as much. How something like that? I don't know math. Math is gay. Okay, math makes you gay just like reading does. But you get the idea. So there's that. Uh, did you post in our group chat the and Hero Hedge thing on the GDP? The holy GDP being dropped? I didn't or, post that, but I did I did take a did take a look at it. What what, what did it have what was that about? Um what was going on there? I think it was basically that they're not they're removing GDP as the metric for economic growth because it is basically been shown to be a failure in terms of actually evaluating the um, you know the effectiveness of, of like how much just continuously growing the GDP will actually benefit the economy but yeah I think uh, let's see Frank just threw it in the chat here yeah it's well I mean it's it, here's the actual story I just didn't know if you'd read into it. Uh, it's official while Q2 was the best quarter for the economy in decades the third quarter is now widely accepted as we wrote a month ago the wheels came off as a result of sudden sudden negative change. Um, did we just get some kind of weird abuse notification? Hang on. Oh, my God. I just got a, a notice from Telegram that our uh, 2.0 channel for third rail, that, so it's not blocked for uh, Mac users uh, on mobile. <laughs> it just got blocked. What the fuck? Oh, what? The 2.0 <sighs> one? Yep. Uh, yeah. Ah, well. I had a bad feeling that was going to happen. This is so gay. It is. It's all very gay. But um, let me get back to the story we were talking about. Uh, you don't have to look too hard why between the today's catastrophic jobs results, he was talking about yesterday, and the near record plunge in consumer confidence, the troubling contraction in retail sales where reports have missed expectations for three months in a row, uh, and all of the, these other reasons going into it uh, – they're going to stop using GDP as as like the end all be all, which is kind of funny because GDP is always you know is the kind of like the final argument on immigration on so many different issues. Like oh, our GDP is going to drop if we don't have immigration, if we don't have more more brown people here to to feed the machine. Yeah, I mean this is uh, I think been most accurately described in the past by Jazz Hands as a giant Ponzi scheme. Where the U.S.'s economic growth is primarily dependent on just a constant influx of new 
human resources, right? Because mm-hmm. even it, the way GDP is calculated, even if these people, like even if 2 million Mexicans come here illegally and they are a net drain in taxes and government benefits and all this stuff, if that person, if each of those people buy, you know, one, they buy one $20, like Winnie the Pooh jean jacket or like, you know, a, a Sylvester the Cat sweatshirt or whatever, like children's uh, cartoon stuff that Mexican people like to wear, um, the GDP goes up. Um, alternatively, if they work one hour, uh, the GDP goes up. So it's always in that context, always viewed as a net gain when these people just arrive here and mm-hmm. contribute to the economy in some Consume minor something. way. But of course, yeah. as we all know, the GDP is not reflective of any sort of um, economic, uh, really any economic growth in terms of people's buying power or or just, you know, it's it's all about just big, yeah, it's big line going up in terms of the gross domestic product. But um, if, if, when you look around and you see, okay, Healthcare is more expensive than ever. Housing is more expensive than ever. Gas is up. Um, cars the middle class wages expensive. have been stagnant for literally fifty years. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's no there's no real economic growth here. It's just big line go up. Um, yeah. And, well, and, and I think a grug reaction to this might be, well, they're just trying. You know, the reason the New York Fed is going to suspend its GDP tracking model now is because it it'll, it'll look bad for Biden, and they're going to try to protect the Biden administration. And uh, no, I no. It's that it is such a you know it's basically it, it's a fake number to begin with, um, but it's getting harder for them to hide it. You know the actual negative uh, consequences. You know the, the negative uh, performance of the economy. They they can't keep you know shuffling numbers around, and you know I I, I don't know what their short term strategy is in that in that sense. But in the long term, I think they have to stave off the panic that you know. Basically, we have all the same conditions for of Weimar Germany, except for the uh, economic uh, crisis that they suffered through, the depression, the uh, inflation, all that sort of thing. And it certainly looks like the economy is is the same paper tiger that you know the U.S. military industrial complex is the same paper tiger that actually the U.S. military is at this point. And you know, it just it's it's basically the empire crumbling. And trying to put up its brave face and at the same time hide anything that suggests there is weakness behind the the walls of this Potemkin village to mix like five different metaphors at once. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. So t- towards the end of the article, it says, uh, so what about the other federal GDP model, the New York Fed GDP nowcast? Well, a quick look at the historical data shows that while the Atlanta Fed has a ridiculously high beta and swings around like a drunken sailor, the New York Fed's GDP tracker is much more credible and stable. Or rather, uh, this is written poorly. There's a lot, there's a lot of grammatical errors in this article. Or rather, it's, it's an hero hedge. What do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> um, because a quick look at the New York Fed's website, where the newscasting report is housed, now shows this in big letters: suspension notification. The uncertainty around the pandemic and the consequent volatility in the data have posed a number of challenges to the Nowcast model. Therefore, we have decided to suspend the publication of the Nowcast while we continue to work on um, methodical change, methodical improvements to better address these challenges. 
Um, so yeah, they've gotten rid of the because of what a bad quarter this has been. They've basically suspended one of these um, models, which is which are one of the um, I guess one of the central points of data. I, I'm not because yeah, it's, I it's because it's, I it's a pretty standard. Dismiss. Yeah. yeah it, well, among economists and and in in other in, industry or. Among macroeconomists and, and among various industries uh, that are in the financial realm, this particular GDP model is 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 kind of like the gold standard, or it has been, and now they're just removing it. Or as Larry might say, you know, the wizards are under, you know, these wizards are seeing that you're seeing the behind the curtain, I guess. It's and so they're just, you know, removing the whole thing from the fucking stage. Yeah. Um. I can't remember if I've read this on the show before, and I don't want to. I don't want to go off on a tangent here and, and uh, take a lot of time. But this is just making me think. I had a I had a conversation with a family member this week about immigration, and uh, basically they were making the argument that we need immigrants because we need immigrants to pay into Social Security and, and things like that because white people Americans aren't having enough kids, and this is and I. I made the obvious argument that this is a completely policy-driven outcome and it could be changed by policy. This is intentional. There's, you know, there's all sorts of factors going into why white people aren't having kids besides the fact that first world and, you know, more developed nations generally have a decline in birth rate with an increase in technology and living standards. But, you know, now our living standards are actually going down. But just to, uh, just to quickly draw some, um, examples from the 1930s of what you can do to boost your birth rates and put people back to work and uh, improve the economy in doing so. Uh, there was something in Germany in uh, June, past June 1st, 1933, called the Labor Procurement Law, which uh, allotted 1 billion Reichsmarks to anybody who, uh, or no, to uh, finance construction projects na nationwide, focusing on repair or remodeling of public buildings, business structures, res residential housing and farms, construction of subdivisions and farming communities, regulating waterways and building gas and electric works. Men who'd been out of work the longest or were fathers of large families received preference in hiring. None were allowed to work more than 40 hours per week. The law also stipulated that German construction materials must be used. In addition, that summer, the building repair law provided an additional 500 million Reichsmarks for smaller individual projects. Homeowners received a grant covering 20% of the cost of each project, including repairs and additions. Owners of commercial establishments became eligible for grants for conducting renovations, plus for installing elevator or ventilation systems. And renters could apply for grants to upgrade apartments. Um, then we also had the, uh, this is good, the labor procurement law provided newlywed loans of uh, 1,000 Reichsmarks at 1% monthly interest. Pretty pretty nice interest rate compared to uh, the stuff we have in the pig zog America. Um, and then it says the loans came in the form of coupons to buy furniture, household appliances, and clothing. To be eligible, the bride had to have been employed for at least six months during the previous two years and had agreed to leave her job. Returning women to the home, vacated positions in commerce and industry, creating openings for unemployed men. For each child born to a couple, the government reduced its loan by 25% and deferred payments on the balance for one year. 
For larger families, upon the birth of the fourth child, the state forgave the loan. It financed the program by imposing surtaxes on single men and women. By June 1936, the government approved 750,000 marriage loans. Reinhardt described the policy of diverting women into the household economy as steadily regrouping our German women with regard to the labor market and with respect to social policy. The regrouping alone, in the course of which practically all working women will be channeled into household economy and marriage, will be sufficient to eliminate unemployment in a few years and lead to an enormous impetus in every branch of German economic life. You know, as you were going through the details there, my very first thought was um, the reason they make it, you know, you're programmed in school from almost preschool when they first show the Holocaust uh, fanfic and the, the, the photos and all that brainwashing to make you think anything bad is Nazi, any, everything Nazi is bad. Uh, it, it's, it's easy – the easy excuse, and, and it's a valid one, is that they actually truly believe uh, that – any sort of white solidarity because they see white people, European people, as a uh, competing group that will beat them, will beat the Jews every time in a, in a fair and balanced fight on an even playing field. Uh, so therefore they make sure to uh, circumvent any sense of white solidarity because white solidarity equals gas chambers. And th- that's – you know it's a valid – uh, assessment of what their mindset is but on top of that when you look at those kind of policies the the fact that you could not bring this up and say hey hey here is a very uh here it, it, here's a model that has worked here's a program that is pro-growth here's a program that will obviate the necessity for diluting our population and it will encourage white birth rates it will be good all around for the economy all they have to say is well that was a nazi plan and so, therefore, it's therefore out the window. It's off the table. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And um, you know, they put six million people back to work. That's the real six million number that they <laughs> exactly. don't want you to discuss. That's the amount of people who were unemployed and went back to work during this time leading up to, I think, nineteen thirty-eight, nineteen thirty-nine. People always say, "Oh, this was a you know, this was a war." economy this was a country preparing for war and yes that's true to an extent but um a lot of it became a lot of it came well well before that and um yeah six million people put back to work that's the number they don't want you to focus on well speaking of wiping out our people um the texas abortion law went into effect and i think it's uh no abortion after six weeks and people are freaking out and we're actually gonna have a little bit of a nuanced discussion on this uh, but before we do anything nuanced, let's turn to the most narcissistic and hysterical people, um, our friends, our greatest allies, <laughs> who their reaction to this was the first I mean, it, these are so goddamn telling. It is ridiculous. Um, this is from uh, Shovelburb on Twitter. Jews don't believe life begins at conception and the health of the mother, mental, physical and emotional is more important than the fetus and must be preserved above all. Now, this is a Jew saying this, and um, my very first thought is something that our friend Keggs had to say, which was, what is fundamentally wrong with your culture where a woman's first instinct isn't, I will gladly sacrifice my life for my child? I mean, there's something fundamentally wrong with your worldview, with, with your ethical system, with your religion, with everything about you. If your first thought is, 
save me before you save my child. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's really interesting actually. This made me think of um, somebody had posted this. Um, let's see, yeah, I think Borzoi actually posted this on on Telegram, and it was something that DinoCon had written about how. The theme in movies now is that old white veteran actors are passing on their legacy to a bunch of, you know, Hispanics or immigrants or blacks. And he listed all these movies that have this sort of plot. Uh, Creed, Gran Torino, Logan, Tomorrowland, The Midnight Sky, uh, Knives Out, etc. Um, it's interesting. So in these movies, right, you have the older white actors who basically sacrifice themselves for a young, it's often a younger, like Hispanic or mystery meat person. Um, and this is, this is this noble thing, right? They're, they're passing the torch. They're, they're handing, they're handing the reins to the, the next generation of, of, uh, but uh, it's very interesting, you know, in terms of abortion, they, they totally they, like this is seen as this noble thing in Hollywood movies for white people to hand off their power or their their uh, privilege or whatever to the next to the next brown generation. Um, but in terms of abortion, they, you know, the these people promote that the idea of a woman, a woman uh, dying to save her, you know, to save her baby, to bring a new life into the world is is like this evil. I mean, and obviously it's, it's a very tragic thing, right? This is not like, sure. hopefully this doesn't happen. You know, when, when women have babies, obviously you don't want this to happen. This is very Well, no, sad. no, this and is it, an extreme situation. I'm just saying. Yeah, this is, of course. In the yeah, extreme situation, it's like the, the man who jumps into the lifeboat ahead of the women and children we rightly call that a coward. We rightly condemn that on a moral and even like fun, like at the grug level. It, it's just wrong. Your, it, your instinct is wrong. And in the horrible case of like a woman possibly dying during childbirth or uh, the pregnancy being – you know, whatever the, the situation is, one, that's thankfully rare. But in those situations, it's – it to me, it's, it's, it's anathema. It is, it, is, it is actually a disgusting idea that the woman's first thought would be – Oh, save me! Don't worry about my baby. And and yeah. so I, yeah, I, I just I feel like that this is their alien mindset, and this is one of those fundamental differences that thankfully we will never bridge because we don't want European mindset, the Aryan mindset, to adopt, accept, or even compromise with this demon mentality. Yeah, yeah, and this is such a um, you know historically, and and I'm sure still. In many cases today, I think the mindset of a lot of parents generally, not just women, but especially even if you have a young, if a young kid, right, if that, if that child gets uh, put in danger, that the parent will, you know, throw themselves in front of the child to protect the child, to have them live because the, the younger, the younger life, the, the life with more years to go potentially is, is worth saving, you know, based on our moral system. Um, yeah. But uh, and also before we get into a more nuanced analysis of this, this is so perfect in terms of just like I've always said that abortion is the the perfect like I don't want to say non-political, but it, it's the perfect distraction issue. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. Like, obviously, I, I think I personally think that the act of abortion is abhorrent, um, but it is it has been used now for 40 years to channel in oh, yeah. sort of conservative sentiments into like channeling all like when when as crime goes up as people have 
uh, less money as as um, immigration keeps skyrocketing, as as wages remain stagnant, um, and and people become more racist and want to see that uh, you know a policy that isn't so like antagonistically anti-white um, conservatives channel all that anger into the abortion debate, which ultimately goes nowhere, and it's gone nowhere yeah. for forty years now. Well, and that's until still- fifty years. Hey, DE joining us. Yeah, that's right. Perfect Almost timing too. Well, well it, it's 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 the before we, I just want to say it, it is kept that way. It is intentionally kept where it's untouchable. It is the perfect go-to uh, distraction uh, in the sense that every time there's a uh, a Supreme Court nominee, uh, that becomes the big issue. Is he pro? Is he or she pro or anti Roe v. Wade? And even when they say or everything in their track record says they should be anti Roe v. Wade or pro. Roe v. Wade, they always fall back on the well. Um, you know, we, stare decisis. There, you know, it, it's decided law. Uh, it would be hard to overturn. And I also, I don't comment on potential future cases. It and it it both sides get to get riled up, and both sides get to say this is why we have to vote for a Republican a Republican president every four years because he'll he'll uh, nominate pro life judges and we can overturn it. But they don't want it overturned. They know exactly what it is. It is a grift. It is a fundraiser. And that's not to say that they're not legitimate. Um, and heartfelt and and religious reasons for being against abortion, but as a political issue, it's a fucking football, and nothing but, more. Well, and um, I I brought it up in the prep chat, and and I got my start on the far right, you know, opposing this stuff, and mm-hmm. I can understand Apache's opinion about it being, and I to to a large extent agree. One of the reasons I'm very glad uh, of of the Texas ruling this week is is you know it's secondarily that. Uh, that it will let people, you know, like you're going to have to deal with Texas being, you know, oh, Texas will never go blue. Yeah, you really, you know, re- are you sure? Um, and yeah, uh, it, 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 it's, um, well, at least pro life, you know, it, it, I, I want that cope taken away from the genuine, the, you know, the, the, the grassroots right winger that probably agrees with us more than they agree with the establishment Republican Party that's always complaining about rhinos that loves the Second Amendment. And I, I want them to have to deal like all I'm asking is that you engage with reality. And mm-hmm. that is what um, this does that, you know, like, I'm sorry. It, 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 I know that there are people who uh, for solid reasons, I will, I, I will be at first to admit, that, you know, like the, the, the uh, overwhelming like uh, African population, problem that would exist with us if if it weren't for abortion and i i understand all those issues i'm still 100 percent against it because i just find it so barbaric and so disgusting oh yeah we'll, but, we'll get into uh, a nuanced discussion and, uh, and you're, you but, have great points yeah, yeah go ahead but but the 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 reason this is an unambiguous win to me and i'm i'm happy to hear entertain people who disagree with me is all the right people are mad and this will force people in the biggest GOP state, you know, the, the the largest chunk of white conservatives in any one particular place are in Texas, and they're going to have to deal with reality now. Now that's off the table. Now that abortion is off the table, you're going to have to deal with your public schools are, are non-white. Well, I've, I've heard that argument, and I, I don't disagree with it that this is going to uh, – this will, uh, on the one hand, disarm the, the GOP of that particular distraction. But I, I can almost bet that what's going to happen is that 
um, with the demographic change in Texas, you know, it's it's on the verge of becoming blue anyway. If you get Democrats fired up the way that Democrats get fired up about uh, abortion, because God knows that's been pretty much the guiding one of the guiding principles, not only of this country, but of course, the Democratic Party is catering to women's desire to kill their babies for the last 50 years. In fact, their entire you know political careers built on. I want to make sure that women can still kill their babies. Um, so. You could have like a, a action reaction where the Democrats start really building up momentum, and so the Republicans, with offering absolutely nothing else to the white constituents, will say we have to continue to control the legislature and the governor's office in Texas because if the Democrats take it over, they'll overturn the abortion ban, and it will become all abortion fest uh, fight all politic all election season. So it could go either way is, I guess, where I'm throwing out. Before we even go there, I just I, I keep wanting to get back to this tweet because I don't necessarily believe in – well, I do believe in demons at this point. Um, <laughs> I'm not even trying to bring the supernatural into this, but how can you not think that demons walk – how can you doubt that demons walk the earth when you have – this is Sarah Marianne Seltzer, a blue checkmark Jewish writer in New York who, as of August 31st, had this to say, just a friendly reminder – that banning abortion violates Jewish women's ability to practice our religion. Opposed, you know, just wanting to be able to spread their legs and use it as birth control. Obviously, that's just unacceptable. But am I strictly being a hypocrite, or is this one of those necessary evils? What do you What do you guys think? No, I don't think I don't think you're being a hypocrite. I mean, we could also make the argument that there's more, um, there's less grotesque ways to do. Um, eugenics like sterilizing of course of course incentivizing that i i'm i'm personally in favor of that you know you could incentivize people to get sterilized give them money or something i think a lot of people i think there's probably a lot of people especially minorities in this country who would who would go for that uh and you know like you said i think abortion is abhorrent i think it's a disgusting practice that you know if you was you really understand what it is it is uh it's just absolutely repugnant but when you look at the demographics in america we all know like uh blacks have not risen in population in many many decades actually i think they've fallen i think they you know they were obviously no, they, 13, were 13. 50 <laughs> mean, they were 13 now i think they're 12 12.1 something like that correct so you know they're not growing at all and this is i mean part this is partly because of unhealthy lifestyles you know consuming a lot of trans fats and things like that having high blood pressure and and also just risky lifestyles and and you know more prone to violence and getting shot but the, probably the biggest thing is abortion uh so to your point yeah i mean the black population in america would be a lot lot higher if we didn't have abortion so yeah there is there is that that tricky thing but it's it's interesting you know i think the the people you see crusading for this the most because they've been brainwashed are you know from what i see at least uh on when i look at normie social media are white women of childbearing age who would make good mothers who this is their top issue because they've been told this is this is women's rights this is like the primary women's issue is to be able to kill your baby so yeah there's there's a lot of yeah there is definitely is some nuance in here um and it's it's not it's not an easy issue but i i think for me the main the main interesting thing the, the glaring fact in this is that this is happening now when when 
you know, conservatives and Republicans have been like demanding this, demanding this, the Supreme Court do something like this for, like the said, like almost 50 years since Roe versus Wade in 1973. And we're getting it now, like within a month after the U.S. census comes out saying that white people have dropped for the first time ever. It's like, okay, now let's really ramp this up. Let's really ramp up the demographic replacement. That's what I see it as. Well, yeah. And, Go ahead. And um, partly because I think that, that um, uh, the the uh, being a hoe is my number one political priority. Demographic is so disgusting and so brainwashed. And frankly, if you just made the ball had babies in nineteen, like God intended, um, a lot of the stupidity of uh, of white women would go away. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Like, if, if they if they if they were uh, changing diapers instead of you know uh, drinking and uh, failing college classes. Uh, a lot of that would a lot of that would be better, so that like that is good and 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 obviously um, there's complicated. I mean, yeah, the the the, uh, the other thing that I think that um, I mean, I just I just agree. I object to abortion on an, on a moral level, but I think the other thing that that um, abortion has let us do since 1973 is not wrangle with. The race issue in this country by yeah. by by keeping it under control and not and like and not having to deal with the reality of it and and kind of just uh, kind of sweeping under the rug and necessarily um, I think that we're gonna have to do that and and I hope that by being more moral about this sort of thing that uh, our country. Uh, our nation, rather, I, I could give a shit about our country anymore. Um, uh, deals with deals with you know in, engages with reality, and uh, and that could just be my religious uh, yeah. you know uh, uh, outlook or whatever. But I I, I just see this as a uh, unambiguous good, and and it's to your point about eugenics. I think negative eugenics is is uh, is bad because we don't know what. Um, um, like like el- eliminating things we think are bad, we don't know necessarily uh, what evolutionary pressures are going to be on things. But positive eugenics is just it's just white people like like ha- handsome, attractive men marry uh, pretty women and have lots of kids, and uh, ugly losers with no money don't have any kids, and that's that's how we ended up with our society and. I mean, you know, everybody's everybody's grandfather was way more handsome than you are. Sorry, like, <laughs> you know, that's just the way. It... He's not wrong, um, except for in Apache's case. Nobody is more attractive than Apache. Um, I, I think that this also goes hand in hand with, uh, in terms of demographic replacement, right? Abortion and sympathy for immigrants goes hand in hand, right? You, you propagandize these women to view abortion as the utmost cause that they need to fight for these white women. Um, you also propagandize them with the global warming climate change stuff where it's, um, you know, you're, you're committing a moral sin by having a child, introducing another child, another resource sucker into the world that's going to ultimately emit more carbon dioxide pollution. You know, forget the fact that there's a billion Africans and a billion Indians and over a billion Chinese that are 
doing that. Yeah. And, and so, but in terms of, so when you, you convince women of this, they don't have kids of their own. Now you get to show them the little kids on the border holding the hand of some four foot nine, you know, wide as she is tall Guatemalan woman. And now the the sympathy, like the empathy and the, the love and the motherly instincts that these women would have for their own white babies because they don't have kids is transferred to these poor, these poor asylum seeking refugees that we need to help. So it goes hand in hand. Like if, if these women had babies, they wouldn't be able to be manipulated into fighting for the cause of replacing their own kind with millions of, you know, immigrant brown kids. Their, their motherly instincts would kick in and they'd see the other as a threat as it properly is to their own children. Yeah, because there's all sorts of data that shows, you know, especially with conservative women. But once women have kids, they start to think more in in more insular terms rather than care about political issues like immigration or or caring about, you know, charities and other people's kids or the kids of foreigners that that are completely uh, different from them. They are now more focused on their family, their kids. What are you know, what are my kids' schools going to be like? What is the, what are my healthcare options for my child? How can I raise a child best? Um, so it's, it's really, it's really a sinister thing that's been done because this, the, the immigration, the, the child refugee sympathy, and we know that the media plays in this hard with, with, um, you know, like the, I can't remember the kid's name, but the, the Turkish kid who, was you know face down on the shore for the photo op and then obviously the you know the the babies in cages all, all this like propaganda that has been directly manufactured to influence white liberal women with yes you know altruism and and high levels of empathy it doesn't work if these women are mothers it works if they are deracinated consumer single women who work corporate jobs and have that motherly instinct but it's been subverted it's not checked with actual children and so that's how they end up caring so much about these invaders well before we go to the break here uh, i i want to say to show you how gay and retarded this whole thing becomes when you know when it's used as finkel think um We've properly identified that the chief export of the USA is usury, sodomy, and abortion, but it's also obviously the three things that in domestic politics used to most distract people from the bigger issues. And with abortion, you know, it should the issue should be resolved. But we have literally had since Roe v. Wade, 1973, almost 50 years where politics is almost entirely dominated by women uh, – the, the voices of women who want to – fucking have no consequences but in an interesting twist uh the whole texas abortion thing is now being used to flip conservatives who would otherwise not want afghan refugees coming to to their neighborhoods uh you have a blue check mark named navid jamali he's a editor he's the editor at large of newsweek why his name is navid jamali and he's the editor of an american publication I can only let you guess because also in his bio is ADL fellow. He's a fellow at the ADL, and he's a former Navy <laughs> Intel. He's a glow-in-the-dark. He used to be in oh the Navy gosh. intelligence. But he There's no such out, thing as former intelligence. Good point. Good point. I, especially in but he media. says – he tweets out, if you're an Afghan woman and they offer to resettle you in Texas, what do you do? 
big concern troll. And you immediately have him being swamped and ratioed by conservatives talking about they should be grateful they're going to get an education and drive and work to drive to work and not be stoned to death for leaving the house. And we should welcome them. I mean, it's just all these people saying we should welcome them to these freedoms because they're not concerned about the issue of abortion. And that's why these people are going to be better citizens. And it's like, wait a minute, conservatives, you just really got literally finked in real time in front of us. And, and again, it's not that abortion is not obviously a, a, an important issue, it, just like sodomy and gay rights is, needs to be resolved and resolved in our favor. Um, but it's so often used to distract and to trick people into backing this instead of that. That's why you end up getting, as you originally said, Apache, the boog boys running around. Hey, you don't mess with our gays. You don't mess <laughs> with our faggots. I mean, it's that kind of bullshit. But uh, do you, uh, DE, I know you have very strong feelings about this. So I'll let you have the last word on the abortion thing before we go to break. But uh, well, I, I, all I want to say is is that the people on our side of things who are bringing up, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? Um, I'm not saying that those aren't real issues, um, but how many white kids that should be alive today aren't? Powerful. Uh, that the that the only question in my mind, um, you know, forget about the blacks, forget about the Mexicans, forget about everybody else. How many nineteen-year-old uh, white girls had an abortion and it destroyed their lives and their terrible cat ladies or lesbians or something else, you know, and, 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 um, you know, I am, I am a national socialist and in, um, in, if we had, didn't have abortion. And then there was things like, well, you know, I have this, this child that needs something or that I had this medical complication and I had this baby. Um, what would we have sane policies towards things like decent healthcare in this country or, a real social safety net or all the things that, that you know, th this, this putting off of a reckoning of dealing with our issues that has been, uh, facilitated by abortion. It is, uh, I, I, everything you put off gets worse. And we, we've, uh, covered up a bunch of national problems with, uh, with dead kids and that I just can't accept that. So, I mean, I know that there are people who I respect who disagree with me, but I just can't accept us covering up these problems with dead white kids. I just can't do it. Based. Actually, I will start reconsidering some of the things I was hypocritical on now. All right. Good talk, gentlemen. We're going to take a break. Uh, Frank, you got uh, something to play us out with? This here is the Zyklon B fumigation chamber at the former Stutov concentration camp near Danzig, West Prussia, used to disinfest inmate clothing. Note the blotchy blue stains on the walls, outside as well as inside.
according to the book, Anatomy of the Auschwitz Death Camp. All right, we are back. And I'm hearing myself echo. Frank? Thank you. Now I'm not hearing it. All right, uh, so we covered... So we solved the abortion issue. That's done. Thank you, America. We're done with that. Uh, Stryker over at National Justice, national-justice.com, has a great article on uh, how the U.S. government spent $334 million to destabilize Lebanon in 2019. And if this is your first show, uh, national-justice.com should be one of your regular go-tos because Eric Stryker is pumping out incredible journalism on an almost daily basis all by his lonesome. Support him. Uh, read it, spread it. I mean, it's worth it. But uh, he has an article where he uh, cites an Arab news outlet, Al Kandahek. Al Kandahek, if I can pronounce this word, um, has confirmed what many have suspected the October 17th movement in Lebanon was an attempt to de- destabilize the Lebanese government. Uh, he writes the protest gov- group suddenly appeared on the scene in 2019. And they took to the streets demanding the government disarm Hezbollah, one of Israel's most powerful foes in the region, and replace the carefully designed sectarian balance of the state with liberal technocracy. They remain active, launching sporadic riots that are openly supported by U.S. figures as diverse as neocon former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders. According to an investigation by journalists at Alakanda at that particular publication, <laughs> 32,000 activists working for U.S.-funded non-government organizations, NGOs, also known as non-Gentile organizations, were spread throughout the country and tasked with organizing and seeding the October 17th movement. The network of NGOs are a front for American intelligence services and are openly run out of the U.S. embassy with controversial ambassador Dorothy Shea serving as their spokeswoman. Um. It goes on to say the U.S.-funded NGOs received a massive influx of cash in the run-up to the protest. $259.7 million was injected into these groups in the first few months of 2018, which increased to $334.5 million during the second time frame. Aside from rioters and phony journalists, the U.S. has also been funding the political vehicle for October 17th, the Sabah Party, which in the spring of 2018 was able to elect a single parliament candidate, the TV news celebrity Paula Yakubian. Who immediately supported the protesters when they arrived on the scene, including leading a th- theatrical storming of parliament. And uh, in the describing the devil, if you will, yes, the Yakubian devil. Um, Stryker himself says in his Telegram channel that it's safe to say, and he's 100% right, that the Washington is the number one uh, exporter of destabilize destabilization in the world. Uh, it's always has engineers. been. Always has been. Um, it's Jews at the top and a small group of elite, often gay, goy mercenaries. Uh, he says uh, America as a culturally subversive force was more effective in the past because rock music, old Hollywood, cheeseburgers, and merrily endowed blonde women have a base appeal that being a tranny, Black Lives Matter, or other sick and ugly stuff generated here now does not. By locking normal white men out of absolutely everything, Zog has hit a creative wall for even subversive purposes, and that's why you know the whole Arab Spring in Lebanon fizzled out. And it's it 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 also just goes. Um, you'll probably see even conservatives, Republicans, right now regarding the Afghanistan withdrawal, complaining about well, we didn't get our Afghan allies out, nor did we get. There's still thousands of Americans still trapped in Kabul in Afghanistan. Well, turns out most of those are like dual citizens, Afghan and American. No one's actually asked if they want to stay. 
But as far as like risking this country, risking more blood and soil, risking another military intervention in Afghanistan to get these people out, be it a good reminder to you that most likely these people who are not actual glowies on the ground in Kabul are part of these NGOs, these gay rights NGOs, these feminist NGOs, these gender studies NGOs. I'm sure there's at least one NGO over there talking about bringing more diversity to Kabul, to Afghanistan. Um, so the thought of them being left behind to face the Taliban's justice, I'm not broken up about it. What about you, gentlemen? Yeah, uh, what's what's that line from the movie Wedding Crashers? Fag shit and destabilization, that's what Washington does. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I think... Um, you know, so first of all, like, I just wanted to, on, on this topic, obviously, I mentioned this before, like, there's hundreds of thousands of Afghanis who are being rapidly delivered here um, by the Biden and all administration. Of, all by Jewish NGOs. Yeah, by Jewish NGOs. And um, I, I, on Tucker, actually, this week, he did a good segment where he was talking about how most of these people are ghosts. So that they're making this argument that, Oh, these are the people who helped us. You know, these are the translators, et cetera, et cetera. Well, first of all, I mean, these people, whatever people think about it, they're they're traitors to their own country. They helped the American empire, you know, take down the Taliban, which is more highly supported in Afghanistan. But if these people were actually translators or they were uh, people working with the Foreign Service, things like that, they would have information, right? They would be in the system. Most of these people are just complete ghosts they're not there's no information on them nobody knows anything about them uh so they're obviously not the people who helped us not that there's even that much of an argument there, there's not really even an argument for bringing over the people that helped us but it's that brazen that it's it's these are just you know these are just more people who are going to come here and do rape and murder and um yeah Sorry, but just going back to what Stryker was saying about how the old way of subverting with you know big tit blondes and uh, you know American products and that sort of thing. Uh, somebody in the chat says, "Reject modernity, return to booba." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cheeseburgers, bacon cheeseburgers, and tits are awesome. I mean, yeah. like, like, like the, but not no. gonna lie. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Um, here's the here's the thing about this, right? And and you, you know, Borja has been talking about Operation Gladio, right? And you know, we've done this. Not we. Zog has done this for for most of a century now, where we send, um, you know, fake organizations. In in, in the nineteen uh, twenties and thirties, it was uh, you know Protestant missionaries that doubled as American spies, and and uh, in in Japan and China, and you know, and some of it was genuine, and a lot of it wasn't. And uh, the, the United States is objectively, you know, the major proponent of uh, of destabilization of of famine. I can't remember where I saw it, but you know, like like Christianity uh, has been wiped out in Iraq. Essentially, uh, Lebanon is one of the, one of the few places in the Middle East where you know Christians had a fair shake and a spot at the table. Politically speaking, uh, and in Syria. you know, in Syria, yeah, of course, uh, the line of Damascus uh, live long and reign forever. Uh, but the idea 
that these ostensible, you know, oh, we're a good Christian country. And then, the, the, again, this is one of those delusions that ordinary right-wingers hold that needs to be punctured. Is that if if this was a good Christian country, as these people believe, and, and most of them, that that's been, they've been taught all their lives, and they're good people, and they work hard, and they 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 believe the people who've been put authority over them. Um, if that was true, the Christians would be in charge in Lebanon and in Iraq, and you know, like, and and here we are, like deliberately messing with the Christians and, Always. and screwing them up and and getting them killed and getting them starved and getting them displaced and and then putting them in the same refugee camp as the as the Afghan, you know, Sunni extremist Bakabazi people and, and exposing them to that kind of violence or bringing them, you know, bringing the Bakabazi people into Sweden. And then, you know, the, even the Swedes had to admit a few years ago that just like Afghans just committed crime. Like they came to Sweden and they committed crime. So, and, you know, like, like obviously the CIA is just malicious and, and, you know, if we abolished it, like, I don't even know if that would do anything because they they have so many public private partnerships that you know some how many how many businesses in Washington D.C. are just fronts for the CIA? You know we well, know they had. Yep. Yeah. This goes way back to way 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 back. I'm gonna have trouble remembering the, the details of it, but just a few months ago, um, there was a article. I think it was New York Times, uh, where. Uh, or maybe it was it was it was some some uh, you know legacy mainstream uh, media outlet that you know sometimes they actually put out something good. I think it was uh, the through documents and uh, kind of like a deduction game uh, from data. They figured that there's a, basically a shadow army um, off books, out of uniform, sixty thousand DoD employees that are. Yes. 60,000 yep. DOD employees that are part of a shadow army that are not really answerable to any clear chain of command. They're not public. They are no uniforms. They are not funded officially by the government, so there's no government oversight. And this would exist – like if you were to go in there and completely just you know fire every single person at the CIA abroad and at home, demolish Langley uh, to, to the ground, they, they're still there. It doesn't matter. The machine exists to perpetuate itself, and that's what is out there. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, part of this is the continuity of government stuff that was really um, spearheaded by Dick Cheney under the Bush administration. But also, you know, it's like this is this is why America seizes control of the international drug trade, you know, so they can fund these black budget stuff. Um, I, and I want to give credit where it's due. It was <clears throat> the independent uh, out of the UK that had the, the article. Okay. And to, to anyone, you know, to to people who are thinking and i'm sure this is none of our listeners but why would you know why would america destabilize the you know the christian population or, or countries that that have a uh, christian population or even christian rule uh to an, no well not christian rule but you know what i mean to an extent in the middle east why why would they do christian this? parody no. maybe christian okay. parody that's the that's a good way to put it inspector thanks um I'm just pulling up this old Pew Research table of uh, religious groups' ratings of each other it's from like 2014, and um, of course the uh, you know Jews rank uh, 
they, they have every they have Protestant, um, white evangelical, white mainline, black Protestant, Catholic, Jewish, unaffiliated, etc. Um, white evangelicals have the highest um, favorability towards Jews of any of any group besides Jews themselves. They view Jews the most favorably, whereas Jews view them the absolute least favorably of uh, actually more unfavorably than any other, not just any other group in the chart, but just the all around the Jews have the most dislike towards Christians. So uh, when you know who's controlling our foreign policy, it, it really, it really all makes sense. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say the understanding uh, I'll never forget it. Um, it was probably 20, 2015. And Ted Cruz, that uh, Zionist knob gobbler, um, <laughs> uh, was at a, a event with, a, with basically all of these Middle Eastern Christians that had fought each other and had all these domestic disputes and theological disputes and uh, you know, some were historians and some were monophysites and some were this and some, some were in communion with Rome and some were Orthodox and whatever. But, but they, the last 30 years have essentially driven them all together. And the, the distinctions between the Maronites and the Assyrians and this and that and this and that just don't matter as much anymore. And they were at an event. Um, and Ted Cruz, you know, they, like they told the truth that like, the Jews were the ones who were oppressing the Christians and, and the Jews were the ones behind, you know, the, the destruction of the Christian community in the Middle East. And uh, Ted sat there and, uh, you know, this, this, this good Christian man, you know, um, loves the constitution and loves Jesus. As like, well, if you won't stand with Israel, I can't stand with you. And he left this event. And, you know, these, these are people who'd been in Lebanon, been in Iraq, been in, Syria, been in Turkey, and uh, you know, seeing the oppression firsthand, right? And and the foreign policy is that because Ted Cruz absolutely knows one hundred percent that what they're saying is true, and the uh, the people doing the oppressing in, in in chiefly responsible for the destruction of the Christian community in the Middle East and responsible for all these destabilization in Syria in you know hundreds of thousands of dead millions of dead people when you when you think about it right that you know the 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 Iranian kids that didn't get the medicine they needed because of the blockade are dead because of this that all the all the people that have died in Iraq over the last 20 years or 30 years yeah. you know Madeleine Albright saying that all the you know, hundreds of thousands of kids starved in, in Iraq and we think it's worth it. And then, you know, you think about all the dead Syrian kids from the civil war and all this, all the uh, you know, kids in Lebanon who are starving right now because they have no economy because the Jews blew up their major port. And then you like, when you look at it and you take a step back and say like what we've been doing since the eighties there with the Beirut, uh, you know, like we're talking about millions of dead kids and they don't care at all. No, and if you if you wonder why if if it all looks confusing and and all that and I hate for this to you know the cheat code always comes back to Israel and the Jews, um, but it's because in the Middle East, what do they not want around Israel? They don't want stable, cohesive nation states. They don't want Iraq under a Baathist government that is stable 
and that doesn't have you know internal civil wars going on constantly. They don't exactly. want uh, Syria to have what it has now with the, the line of Damascus. They don't want any of these countries to be stable and then maybe allying with Iran and Hezbollah and others who their interests are opposed to what Israel's interests are. So therefore, it comes out of Tel Aviv. It goes into Washington. Washington sends it all out to destabilize everything around. And who benefits? Qui bono? Key. 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 Right? Yeah. Um, Lebanon used to be run by Christian fascists. Yeah. And that was back when it was called, what, the, the, the Paris of the Middle East? That's right. Uh, Beirut. Yeah, Beirut was called the Paris of the Middle East. It was, uh, you know, all these places were much nicer before, I don't know, 1948. But uh, I know it's an arbitrary date to put down, but for some reason it is. Yeah, this, uh, this is also totally irrelevant, but I, I just love the Lebanese flag. It's so aesthetic. I don't they know that I know it. That. No, it was in the um, the picture oh, yeah. of National Justice. It's just like a... The it's cedar a, tree. It's a, yes. Oh, okay. Looks very familiar. Lines. Yeah. Looks very familiar, and in fact, it looks like almost an improvement on one that we like. Yeah. Um, um, that's an appeal to heaven right there. Um, I, I, I lied again. Uh, I said The Guardian, or rather The Independent, but actually they were quoting, of all places, Newsweek that actually broke the story as an exclusive. So credit where it's due. Like I said, sometimes these legacy publications accidentally let the truth out or they reveal something. There's usually a, a, an ulterior motive. It's often a distraction. But sometimes they actually tell the truth, and this is you know, perhaps one of those times with this shadow army. And then also going to what you were saying about uh, – going back to what we were talking about, the refugees coming in and, and being welcomed. It is funny, I, and I hope you didn't already mention this. Like I was like pulling something else up, and I wasn't uh, listening as closely as I should have. But um, the State Department right now is having a huge problem. And they're panicking over the fact that so many of these Afghan refugees, the men coming over, have child brides. And there's actually specific protocols on what of to do with quote, unquote, refugees of, of uh, people with quote-unquote child brides because of trafficking laws and all that. And I'm thinking, I bet you – I'm willing to wager more than a dollar here that Afghans with child brides among the refugees is not the biggest and most disgusting problem amongst these refugees. These quote-unquote refugees, because we all know about the Bakabazi. We all know about the heroin trade. I, I really feel like this is the one thing that they had to admit because maybe it's so pervasive and it's bad, but it's not so bad as admitting that they're also bringing the Bakabazi pedophiles here. Yeah, the Bakabazi is worse. And I mean, I, 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 you could even make the argument that the, the single men coming here who are from a culture – where they are given child brides is worse because they will rape children and, and, you know, teenage women and things like that. But yeah, just to um, just say what's going on with this, this Afghani child bride thing, it says, uh, this is New York post growing fears, child brides brought to us in Afghan evacuation. U S officials are looking into reports that elderly Afghan men were permitted to evacuate with young girls. They claimed as wives with some of the purported children, child brides, excuse me, brought to an army base in Wisconsin, according to a report on Friday, an internal state department document dated August 27th said the staff overseeing the admission of refugees at Fort McCoy about 100 miles Northwest of Madison, Wisconsin, had reported multiple cases of minor females who presented as married to adult Afghan men, as well as polygamous families. Department of State has requested urgent guidance. 
I'd like to offer my guidance to the Department of State. <laughs> Send these people back. Do not bring any more of them. You don't need to address this issue. They never should have been here in the first place. Send them fucking back. But they're not going to do that, of course. Oh, no. And just like the, the Jewish NGOs that are very proudly in saying that you know Jews are taking the lead in placing these people in American communities, the one pe- group of people they're not talking to is the actual American communities where these people are going. Because why would you? What you think we were never people asked. Who, people oh, sorry, that live in a country, uh, the people that are the founding stock of a country should have any say over who their neighbors are going to be or who gets imported into their country on the millions. So what do you think this is, Specter? A democracy? Well, what do you, I mean, what do you, why do you think that they would not give us a chance to even be asked about it? Because they know how we would vote, how we would react. What we were never asked, and they know what the answer would be if we were. Yeah. And whenever we are asked, we, we roundly reject these things. And that's why, despite, you know, like take gay marriage, for instance, when there, whenever there is a referendum on gay marriage, it is rejected despite all Mm -hmm. the propaganda. But then, like we were talking about earlier with the Supreme Court and the, you know, the sort of um, what's the the critarchy uh, to bring back an old to bring back an old word that we live under where it doesn't matter. You know, people could vote against this stuff in in high numbers and then the Supreme Court will just say, no, this is what we're doing. You don't get to say shut up. Nope. Yeah, uh, I'm old enough to remember a proposition. I think it was Proposition 8. I think the number's right. Yep, um, that's right. But it was uh, in California in the 1990s. It was put to the no, ballot. Was, uh, the Proposition 8 was the anti-gay marriage thing that happened oh. in 2008. Proposition 187 was the like early 1990s, like no welfare for right, um, no welfare immigrants. or public services for illegal immigrants. Yep. No schools, no nothing. And, and it, it was passed overwhelmingly over- passed in California. In California in the 1990s. And yet yep. they came up with a great excuse, whatever the cryptarchy wanted. And a Jewish judge and a Jewish judge struck it down. Yeah. So I, rem- I remember that. Yeah, I just I couldn't. Proposition eight was it, it, one eighty seven and eight are uh, ex- perfect examples of, and, and they're they're parallel of the will of the people being completely thwarted by the Jewish cryptarchy. Um, but speaking of uh, uh, Bakabazi pedophiles, do you remember the uh, We Spa uh, oh. in Los Angeles? Every, think, like like confirmation, one of the things confirmation about, bias. Yeah, uh, well, for, one for of the things about who, our thing is that is that uh, you're, you're never going to be wrong. Like it, it, yes. it just you just every morning I wake up to just warm bad as a confirmation bias. But yep. please continue, so, Specter. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, if you remember back in I think it was June. Let me pull up the article here. Uh. June 24th, a woman posted on uh, TikTok or uh, Instagram that uh, a man had been allowed into the women's side of a Korean spa, you know, place where you go get you, I guess they do tea wraps and, and uh, sauna treatments and cold plunges and hot plunges and all the stuff that women waste money on. Um, a man had been circulating amongst the, the women's uh, sauna area and uh, un, un, unrobed, semi-erect. And she freaked out. And because she was a black woman making the TikTok, she wasn't immediately canceled for transphobia. They really tried immediately. And when that didn't work, and all of a sudden it became the site of protest from both anti and pro and antifa and uh, anti 
uh, trans activists uh, who did not want a man in a woman's spa as any normal healthy society would. Um, you know, it got really ugly. Uh, the Wee Spa owners at, almost understandably were like, well, we don't know what happened. We're, we're backing out of this. We, you know, I don't think we had a man in our, you know, they, 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 they cowered it out of it. Um, and then immediately the press went to work um, trying to, without attacking the black woman because she's black, to just turn this into it, it was a big hoax. Like it never really happened. Like if you look at the video, all of a sudden it cuts out right when supposedly they're going to show the man who's coming down the stairs or – you know, it shows some people yelling, but it doesn't show this. And they just really tried to undermine it in every way possible. The authors of that particular article were Sam Levine and Lois Beckett, who is just a complete piece of shit, even though she's a ginger. Um, but they're both Antifa journalists, basically, for working for uh, The Guardian in the Los Angeles Bureau. And they really went at work trying to turn this into – it's it's transphobia at work. It really didn't happen. It's okay for someone identifying as a woman to be in a woman's spa. Um, all of this nonsense. Well, flash forward just a couple of months, and I'm going to read to you something. And I, there's a very specific reason I picked this source of the many sources that actually covered this arrest. This is from LGBTQNation.com, and the arrest happened, uh, I guess, September 1st. And let me just read how this is written. Headline, discreet arrest of sex offender made in Wee Spa case after months of right-wing outrage. See, it's all about the, the right-wing outrage is what really drove this. The right was so outraged that a trans woman might have used the facilities at Wee Spa that a riot broke out. Now someone is claiming they were arrested for indecent exposure that day. So basically saying, despite us trying to turn this into a hoax where it was just a, a bunch of phony right-wing people – uh, getting you know, trying to make hay out of nothing. Turns out, the dude was actually arrested. And here's some very important details about the uh, trans woman who was arrested. An arrest has been made in the ongoing dispute arising from a viral video taken at a Los Angeles spa in June, featuring Spectre, a woman claiming that. Spectre, yes. Spectre, uh, please, yes, Richard, um, please don't refer to a crazy man who's a pervert as a trans woman. Oh no! I, there's a specific reason I'm doing that. Bear with me. I said trans woman for a very specific reason, okay? So just bear with me on why this is, and consider the source of this article and how it's, it's going to play out. An arrest was made in the ongoing dispute arising from a viral video taken at a Los Angeles spa in June featuring a woman claiming that either a trans woman or a cis man was using the women's facilities at the spa. The dispute quickly became a right-wing conspiracy, although the spa in question denied that a trans woman was using the facilities at the time, and no evidence had publicly been made available showing otherwise. Now – Weeks later, months later actually, the LAPD has charged Darren Maragher with indecent, indecent exposure, and while the department has given little information publicly, such as Maragher's gender identity, they maintain that Maragher is a registered sex offender. Maragher allegedly said in an interview that they are the victims of anti-trans harassment. Here's where I'm going with that specific use of the word trans woman and quoting them as they wrote it. They are untransing this person. They found out… That this person who was actually there, who was apparently walking around semi-erect in front of uh, women and children in this uh, women's part of the spa, that he is uh, – let's see now. He has a registered sex offender since 2006 due to convictions in 2002. 
In 2018, uh, the LAPD printed public information posters claiming that Moraga often claims to be female in order to gain access to women's locker rooms and showers. He is considered a tier one sex offender. Isn't it interesting that the way they will jump on your ass if you th- – when Chris Chan was arrested, people were more outraged that some tweeters or some articles misgendered him as a man instead of as a trans woman that he identifies with. They were more outraged that, over that than the fact that Chris Chan raped his mother, allegedly. Here, they are, it's actually the LGBTQ press that is untransing this person. They are detransing him. They are not giving him the benefit of the doubt. Right. Who who remember who remember people being like, "There's no way people are going to be like when all of us were like, dude, Target is like, don't take your kids to Target. There's going to be a bunch of weirdos trying to like go to the bathroom with your kids." I was and, just going to say this, man. Yeah, you read my mind. <laughs> like, yeah, so, so, and, 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 and when. And, ahead, and we were told that we were bigots. No, that's never going to happen. There's not going to be sickos with, you know, fetishes trying to sneak into the girl's bathroom to go watch your eight year old pee. Like, no. oh, oh, there's not. Oh, look, looks like somebody. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I guarantee you immediately. That were... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Spectre. Yeah, and like immediately after that policy was instituted at Target, there are at least two incidents of men filming girls in the women's bathroom. Um, and then also, I'm I'm looking at an article from 2017 that says, and I'm sure it's much more since now. And, and I'm sure that there are many more instances of this that are not reported. But it says transgender pa- bathroom policies have led to 21 attacks on women, and it just lists all these incidents of men assaulting or violating women's privacy in public bathrooms, warning that despite what activists claim, transgender-friendly policies do, in fact, greatly increase the risk of such crimes. Yeah, um, I, I just want on record, I, I absolutely, I guarantee to you that if I were to go on television in an interview somewhere in California and talk about uh, Caitlyn Jenner slash Bruce Jenner and refer to Bruce Jenner by his, his real name, refer to Bruce Jenner as a man, Refer to him with the pronoun he. This is the press. This is specifically the kind of press that would immediately jump all over me for misgendering, dead naming, etc. But in this case, where they've spent months trying to say the whole thing never even happened, and they continue even after the arrest to like throw out there that a lot of this was fueled by phony outrage from the from the right wing. As soon as this person is revealed to be a tier one sex offender who has literally done this before, who police have warned about him going to women's locker rooms to expose himself. All of a sudden, even though he claims that he's a trans woman, a transgendered woman, he claims that his pronouns are he, she, or uh, she, her. This very press is casting doubt and you know referring to him as they so that they can get out of uh, misgendering. Which is just grammatically incorrect, and I absolutely I, – I hate with the fury of a million sons uh, anybody who uses the plural pronoun for a singular person. But that aside, they are, they are untransing him. They are detransing this guy because he is such an indictment, and it's just absolutely amazing that that's the way this played out. Yeah, well, Every bias confirmed. Yeah, like – which one of you guys was really surprised? 
I mean, really, yeah. like this is this is exactly what all three of us, you know, I, I, I go back in the chat, but every every one of our guys said this sort of stuff was going to happen, and we're right every time. And I, I mean, like, I just, you know, you want to know why people are pro Taliban, you young yeah. white man. <laughs> you you want to know why people are like because if I went to the Muhajid and I said Muhajid, what do you do to a man who abuses small children you say well the quran says we hang that man oh okay uh, and 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 or, or you know Muhajid, what do you say to a man who exposes himself to other men wives we beat him <laughs> with sticks like 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 this problem would be solved yes in a, yeah and in, <laughs> and and maybe and, we can talk about taliban hypocrisy and bakabazi and all that other stuff it, uh, just just the their, their willingness to solve this problem grants yeah. them legitimacy. And I think this is the beginning. This is the first instance. Uh, I just want to say this is the first instance, and there will probably be very many more in the future, of the gay community adopting the no true Scotsman philosophy or fallacy. <laughs> of uh, Now it's going to be no true transman or something like that. But go ahead, Apache. Yeah, no, I mean just to point to the absolute – disgustingness of the of the u.s empire and and why people are like oh taliban taliban based um you know the taliban removed bakabazi they they banned this practice they punished the sickos who were engaging in it what did the u.s do the u.s you know joins uh, forces with the northern alliance the war in afghanistan full of the people who are anti-taliban because they want to keep raping young boys and uh just to really solidify the support of the tribal leaders in Afghanistan of you know groups like the Northern Alliance and other other regional groups that oppose the Taliban there's this article um and I, I I'm sorry if you guys already discussed this on the show if you did I missed it you may have but about how the the CIA was giving Viagra to tribal leaders so oh, like God, these, yeah. old, these old men so that they could rape boys so that they could basically ensure their loyalty by giving them these American Jewish pharmaceutical <laughs> drugs for incontinence. And, um, yeah, just absolutely just so disgusting. I yeah. mean, th this, well, this we always ally with the worst. Filth. Yeah. Yep. You, you, you find, you find any conflict that America is involved in. We are definitely going to find the absolute worst actors within it and ally with them. Well, and, and there's a reason why. Um, if we could transition to the, the topic I wanted to talk about, Spectre. Oh, my God. Hang on. Sorry. sorry. I think we just got the show title. No Troon Scotsman. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's perfect. Thank you, That's Hunter good. P. Johnson. Yes, No Troon Scotsman. I, I'd actually um, been playing with uh, Beverly Hills Cope or Reject Modernity, Return to, Bo Return to Booba, but this is it. No Troon Scotsman. No, it, it, and and the, the thing I wanted to talk about um, as a topic, I, I uh, my winner was Texas and my loser was... Uh, well, uh, perverts, but uh, I want to talk about Asabia and um, what that is is A S A B I Y Y A H, and it is a Arabic term meaning group feeling or social cohesion, and uh, a feeling of socially uh, social solidarity with an emphasis on unity and um, the, the solidarity is actually is the closest thing we have in English to it. Um, that's that that's wins you want to talk about uh you know um uh, uh imagine not having bros and see every one of the taliban has bros um if you're in our thing if you're vetted if you you know um 
trslmania at protonmail.com. Those of you who aren't vetted yet, get it, get in the pipeline. Um, when there's a major hurricane and you don't have any bros, you might get eaten by an alligator. But if you have bros, you forward up with a couple of guys, you bring extra bags of rice, you, you know, have somebody watching your stuff while you sleep so that there's no looters. Your kids are safe. They have somebody to play with when you, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, when there's, uh, disorder and chaos in the streets, you have bros when, you, you know, like, uh, the, the, the political legitimacy is having bros. Uh, I had an experience lately where I, I w- was dealing with global homo gameplex and a major retail outlet. I won't say where, and the employees were just not helpful at all. It was a bunch of brown women who didn't know what they were talking about. And I finally, and I called one of our friends. I was like, hey, man, question for you. And he was like, oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, homie, no problem. And he straightened me out, and I was able to go on with my day. And I was able to do that and because I have bros. And if you're in our thing, and, um, you know, I, I could literally, uh, as long as I had my uh, charged phone, I could land anywhere in the United States with like no pants and no anything. And within a couple hours, have a friend who'd be willing to help me out. Like middle of nowhere, you know, stuck on the Great Plains. He's, you know, far Western Minnesota, nowhere. And within a couple hours, I'd have bros. And and so the, the the solution to all of these problems, whether it's po- you know political, or you know there's a, a big storm, have bros. Yep. Yeah. You know the economic stuff, have bros. Like like, how do you beat Zog? Having bros. This well, is the number one thing we need to do. And then so, this is why we always say we're, you know we have to build these parallel societies and networks and communities. And whether you're talking about the pool parties. Or and Apache and I can talk about this in the Manor Bund. Uh, it's it's vital, and it when you have that backing, when you have that behind you, uh, it, it's it's empowering in a way that really words can't describe. But Apache, you want to say anything about that, just in general? Yeah, no, I mean, I was just going to say to Dee's point, the the absolute best, the best form of uh, prepping you could say is just having bros. You could you could be the biggest like doomsday prepper type of guy. You could have a you could have a cabin in the woods full of, you know, non-perishable food and supplies and guns and ammo and all this stuff. And, and you could retreat from the world. But if you don't have bros, you're, you're going to be you're just going to get steamrolled. You know, running running away is ulti- I mean, not to say don't be prepared, like not to say don't don't have a stock of non-perishable food and, and things like that. But it's not going to do you any good if you're just a single person yeah and three guys three other guys roll up on you yeah exactly if you if you have if you have a network if you have a brotherhood if you have people that you can rely upon that is the ultimate that is the ultimate defense and strength against the you know the just the uh, onslaught of, of zog against you um you know they and especially in in a society right now where so many people do not have sincere relationships do not have actual bonds of brotherhood you know maybe people are are friends and they enjoy the same tv shows they like the same sports team or maybe they like to do the same sorts they of talk drugs, on Facebook things like or that whatever. yeah 
um, you know, if, if uh, that type of thing where shit hits the fan and, you know, that those those people that you enjoy, you, you guys both watch the same Netflix show. I mean, those people aren't going to be there for you. And especially if you uh, especially if you're one of our guys or adjacent to our guys, you know, the, the, your views get revealed all of a sudden you're your normie support network falls out from under you. So to have to have a real support network, to have people that you can rely upon, people that you've spent time with and met their families and built up trust over a long period of time, there's really nothing like it. Yeah. I just want to say the last word on this. is It's not just for end-of-the-world disaster-type scenarios. It's literally just having that support. I mean, I, I, I feel like, and I actually know that I could uh, fly into, drive into, most any major uh, metro area or even rural uh, hub, and if I needed uh, anything, whether it's a place to stay or uh, I'm having trouble with my flight, and so I therefore, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles, I have to, you know, take some kind of alternative transportation. I don't have the means because I lost my wallet because John Candy set the car on fire, whatever. <laughs> I have that. I uh, I know, and this is actually some real world uh, experiences. There was a point during the freeze last winter. Where uh, property that I have some responsibilities for at the time in Texas, uh, the, it, it had some plumbing issues right during the freeze. Uh, you know, I had like a, at least a couple of people who were you know in our network who were volunteering to drive at three in the morning in you know ten degree below weather, which never happens normally in Texas, across uh, dangerous icy roads to go help take care of that problem. You don't get that with the guy that you're Facebook friends with or your work buddy who you talk about the Netflix shows with. You don't or get football or football or whatnot. Or even if it's just something as simple as, hey, I need to move this or, or hey, I've got some of this extra stuff. I don't want to just give this away to willy nilly to anybody who needs this. Just having that interchange, that exchange, that that, that ability of people who you know or you can trust, you know, like blood. Well, actually, you are trusting blood. Uh, that makes a huge difference in your your well being in your life in your mental well being. Right, and and just you know, my personal experience of of needing this help from and having a, a network where I could ask somebody, uh, because because frankly, you know, our everything is going to be less competent, you know, in yeah. the future, you know, like a you think the the less than sixty percent white America is going to work better. I mean, no, it's just not. There's no. stuff's just not going to work, and 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 you're going to have to work, find workarounds. And the workaround is a sabia, it's bros, it's a manor bund, it's whatever solidarity, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. right? Um, they should really and, be worried about how how you know powerful these networks can become in in just supporting our people well, and also making them more confident in in their decisions and being able to resist. You know, whether it's, you know, having to quit your job because of uh, some kind of a vaccine mandate. Well, or... the, the, the Taliban started in 1984 when a, a bunch of bros were sitting at Madrasa and saying, it says in the Quran right here that we shouldn't put up with this Bakabazi shit. Why are we putting up with it? And someone says, you know what? You're absolutely right. That's some bullshit. Let's go take care of this problem right now. And they did. And now they're sovereigns of their own country. And that's exactly why, you know, our, uh, our elite do everything they can to break solidarity amongst our people because they know that if we had solidarity amongst our people that you know that th- they wouldn't be in charge anymore i mean i wouldn't wish this on you specter but you should be you know like the editor of a major newspaper um, uh, uh, things are in the works uh <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like, well, it, 
you know, and we'll build our own and, and you know, fuck the mainstream media. But like the reason um, our people aren't in charge of things isn't that our, our people aren't better because they are objectively. Um, our people are better. It, yeah. It's because if we were allowed to show solidarity, the wrong sort of people would be in charge and they can't have that. You know, yeah. the, the ju- I looked it up. The judge <clears throat> who struck down Proposition 187, which was black, white, Hispanic, everybody in California in 1994 voted for this. <clears throat> Mariana L.R. Falzer, P-F-A-E-L-Z-E-R, born to a Jewish family in Los Angeles, California in 1926. It's literally every single Of course. <laughs> And and so, you know how do, how do you how do you fight this judge? You you can't do it legally. You you, you do it with bros. How do you deal with uh, things like uh, shitty infrastructure in a in a hurricane? Bros. How do you deal with you, you know um, anything? I, I just had two or three things just pop up in the news, and I just was like, this is how we solve this problem. All of our problems is is bros. Let me put a little bow on this. Um, they talked about this, and, and they really did a good deconstruct of it in, uh, fr- I think, Friday's Tedious. Uh, there was a subsect thing where they were talking about the, the southernization of ruralites, where from Maine to uh, Nebraska to Idaho, rural white people are increasingly adopting southern mannerisms, accents, particularly the Confederate battle flag, a lot of the you know, you know gaudy eagle wear that you see a lot in the south. And they were saying that they think that this is some sort of uh, Confederate revanchism, but it's really not. To me, as a Southerner who has you know traveled a lot, what I'm seeing is it's a very clumsy attempt by these ruralites outside of the South. That it's like they increasingly see themselves, even if they don't, they're being pulled into it against their will or or by outside pressures, uh, the negative pressures on them, all the attacks that they constantly feel to. Start to see themselves as a group with self-interests, and they don't want to come out and say it, so they clumsily grasp at these symbols and these things that are tribal identifiers, and they're still socially acceptable in the rural areas. In Nebraska, you're not – or Pennsylvania or Maine, you're not going to get in any of the bullshit you get to in the urban areas for flying a Confederate battle flag. I've seen actually more in Pennsylvania – uh, Confederate battle flags than I often would see in freaking Mississippi, and that was part of you know back when it was incorporated into the state flag, and it was the, the main thing that you waved at Ole Miss games. Um, and then I think there's probably a very quiet tribal awakening even among the urbanite whites, uh, who aren't complete shit libs, who they couldn't even adopt those symbols, but they probably start to see it. And what this is is the natural result of this constant attack and atomization of white people and only white people. This constant attack on them, and they are starting to see themselves as a tribe. They're not quite there yet. We can get them there. We can get them through this. Um, and so they are, you know, it, it's it's happening. And this is not a good thing. It's a very good thing for white people that we're coming together. That we are starting to, however clumsily and and kind of hand-fistedly coming together, and maybe rejecting even the the MAGA bullshit and the oh my base blacks, but actually seeing whites as your fellow compatriots. It's good for us, not so good for Zog. That's right. Well, and and to your point, um, that guy in Nebraska who maybe starts saying y'all with the draw a little bit more often, that uh, that guy who's probably did a tour in the army, 
certainly pro gun, pro hunting, pro uh, maybe pro abortion or uh, pro life, maybe not. Um, that guy is constantly like, wait a minute, I send Republicans to you know Lincoln, Nebraska. I think that's the state capital. Uh, every every two years, and I never get what I want. And I uh, talking to on Facebook to this other dude who's from Maine, and he never gets what he wants. And the same thing for some guy I know in Miss, you know, in my hunting group on Facebook, right? And um, uh, the guy in Mississippi, he never gets what he wants. We all want the same thing. Why can't we have, you know? reciprocity concealed carry why not why can't we get hold oh why can't we have good schools all white neighborhoods why can't we have that why can't we why, why, why can't, do we have to have refugees bust in right yep all of those questions and um those people are under attack because of who they are not for any particular ideological reason or religious reason theological reason no it's because you are a white person and them uh getting a sense of asabia is is literally the worst thing to happen for zog because uh you know the the, the way to get that was oh well, we're all marines we're all in the army we're all this we're all that well you know frankly uh to, to steal an e michael jones term uh the taliban respects logos more than the u.s army because the taliban doesn't <laughs> do things like try and put women in combat trainings in the army i mean like like what do you what do you even do it like just on on, on like a like a two and two is four level what are you doing united states army you know 80 85 percent of the people who've been killed of course have been white men and everyone on the on the sharp end has been men and and nature it do be that way um, when it comes time to actually accomplish a mission, but 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 just the absurdity of like, uh, you, you guys remember that uh, you know U.S. Army ad of like the you know the, the the little five foot tall woman who was raised by lesbians who's you know a brave patriot battery you know animated ad. It's like the absurdity of this of like this is this is insane, and there's no uh, 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 you know I'm tired of pretending it's not. And uh, the people, <laughs> the people, the people who the people who rule over us um, are oppressing every white person equally, especially rural white people. Um, and for them to notice that is uh, is unequivocally a good thing. You know what? All right. Before I give you guys your last words, uh, I'm not even talking about plugs, but I want you to like get any uh, last things that y'all wanted to talk about out i just got to get this one headline in here because it goes to my i gotta have it in there to justify the closing joke but lois beckett who wrote the article trying to turn the we spa thing into a a hoax a right-wing hoax also has a headline as of uh wednesday september 1st uh the headline simply reads open season on media journalists increasingly targeted at los angeles protests uh yes.jpg or okay um well, considering what we just saw you did with the We Spa thing, why would you think that journalists would be targeted by right-wing protesters at protests in L.A.? You literally just tried to turn them into transphobic hoaxers, and now when they're doing their vax protests or whatever their you know silly Finkel think protests are, 
why wouldn't they see you as the enemy? You are. All all mainstream journalists at this point should be considered Antifa until proven otherwise. I just want to throw that out there. But DE and Apache, were there any other topics you guys wanted to get to or final words on some of these topics we did cover? Yeah, I have a quick response to what you just said and then a final word on the, the last thing we were talking about. Um, I was with a uh, friend I knew from college, maybe... I get, well, I guess it was. Uh, I guess it was almost a year ago now, maybe like eleven months ago, because it was right before, it was right before the election. And I was with this kid who was formerly just a very like the ultimate normie, right? He was a huge sports fan, um, big sports gambler, like drinking Bud Light, and and totally apolitical. Totally did not care about anything besides football and this and that and. You know, I hadn't seen him for a few years, and uh, out of out of most of the people I knew, this is like the last kid I would have guessed who became would have become completely politicized. But uh, he was a Trump supporter, hardcore Trump supporter, which you know is at least on the right track. But the thing that really got me was that he he not only said journalists are the enemy of the people, he said journalists are criminals, and just to see like that sort of radicalization about journalists and about the media from a formal, a very recently a political person was a huge white pill to me because if a kid like that is saying this, then people who are paying more attention are definitely thinking it. Um, but yeah, on, on the topic of, on the topic of, uh, brotherhood and people from all over the country wanting the same things and not getting them and, and, um, you know, us, uh, people like us being constantly, deplatformed and Jews becoming more and more visible in the in the Biden administration. Uh, you know, we are we are at the beginning of a <coughs> profound evolutionary moment, the beginning of a white ethnogenesis, white racial consciousness, where white people, like really for the first time in history, not just in America, but in Europe, are going to see themselves as white and hopefully start to think about themselves as white and think about politics and issues in the way that other races think about these things, which is what's in it for us? You know, is this good for whites? Um, and this is not what our rulers want at all, but they've, they've forced this. It's completely their fault that we've gotten to this point, but it's a, it's a very powerful point because Whereas in the past, you'd have people thinking of like Europeans didn't really have this in America. You had a bit of this as we were uh, exposed to levels of diversity earlier than Europe. But we're at a, a crucial evolutionary turning point in white people viewing themselves as white, viewing themselves as a distinct group and actually forming a more distinct group within white people as you have white people who start to think in their collective interests of their race as opposed to the libtards and and race traders who will you know go off and and uh support issues and policies that are antagonistic to white people and anti-white um and you know many of those people are the people are the women who support abortion are the guys who are who are soy faces who are not going to be having kids who are going to be collecting Funko Pops, and in this in this period, we'll have this this birth of a really this birth of a nation of of white people, uh, but an international birth of a nation, and um, it's a it's a really crucial turning point. And and when stuff like this happens, when it's happened throughout history, when it happens in 
the animal kingdom, you see shifts, you see important shifts. These are the the evolutionary jumps where conditions create a, you know, a group or they force a group to change or to adapt. And uh, I think for me, I think that's a major white pill. Obviously, we have a long way to go, but we are we are in the beginning of something powerful and the wheels are not stopping. Um, there's nothing that can stop them at this point. Okay. Hey, D, what, what are you, uh, any final thoughts on anything we discussed or something you wanted to bring up before we go? Uh, find your bros and bro out. That's all I have to say. Uh, <laughs> follow, follow Spectre Apache on Telegram, myself as well. Um, that's the platform to be on if you're, uh, you know, why are you on Facebook? Um, but, oh. <laughs> the the uh, uh you know the overwhelming lesson of uh the last six months or so is uh, solidarity and and whatever happens uh whether it's uh, you know ridiculously high food prices or public disorder or uh just because it's labor day and you're an american by god and you want to grill um you got to have some bros to do that and so that would be my final thought is find some bros. Absolutely. Um, I actually, yeah. when you mentioned Telegram, I do want to bring this up. Uh, it turns out I read closer on the alert I was given. It's not that they uh, de-Googled uh, or de-Androided, de-Mac'd or de-Appled the, uh, our backup channel that's for mobile Mac users. It's that uh, they hid one particular uh, – what do you call a post on Telegram? I guess a post that I had forwarded from Borzoi. Um, so Borzoi, it, it was just his one post about Detroit-style pizza. And if you don't know what that is, it's it's basically just pizza with a dead nigger face down in it. <laughs> that's terrible, <laughs> terrible. That's almost that's very racist, there, Borzoi. We're gonna have to find you. We're gonna have to ding your social credit. Uh, uh, I guess that's. Uh, let's see. Now we got. Uh, like I said, we will probably have a midweek uh, kind of after-hour show, just me and Borzoi, on Tuesday or Wednesday. So look forward to that after the content desert that's going to be this weekend. Uh, I want to thank the 200-plus live listeners who turned out despite the short notice. Uh, go to national-justice.com uh, for Eric Stryker. Uh, he is really blowing the competition away. And when I say competition, I mean the national media. He is breaking stories that they will not touch, and it's all because he's actually – attacking power instead of serving as a palace guard for power go to dissident-mag.com it's from the people who bring you fascination go to nationaljusticeparty.com print out the platform take out uh, any references to who it's from just print out the platform itself take it to your friends see how many of them they agree with you know the reason that people uh, the reason they get after us so quickly I think I said this earlier uh, the whole Nazi bad, uh, all things bad Nazi, all Nazi things bad, is because they don't want you thinking about any of these points that will actually could be a benefit to you and your people. Uh, these platform points are very informed and very much in the national socialist uh, mindset, and there's almost none of them that the average conservative, normie, uh, even honest liberal would really agree with. Um, so there's that. Go to Antelope Hill Publishing. Dot com for they are just continuing to turn out some of the best fiction, nonfiction, everything you'd want to read. Great translations. Uh, can't say enough about those folks. And join us at the TRS Radio Network behind the paywall for premium content. It's the right stuff.biz slash paywall. 
And uh, I'm getting some alerts here. So before I start the outro. Uh, yeah. I just wanted this? to. Uh, so real quick. Um, yeah. So my telegram is t.me slash Apache's hangar. That's hangar with an A as in like an airplane hangar. And uh, also, if uh, you guys are looking for some some clothes, you want to support some people in our thing, check out rewildshop.square.site. Uh, we were talking about the Lebanese flag before and the Appeal to Heaven flag. There's some some cool clothes on there if you're into the pine tree aesthetics and the Appeal to Heaven stuff. Um, probably my favorite thing on there is the uh, pine tree polo. There's a little embroidered uh, pine tree as a logo. Polo, they got women's stuff on there too. So yeah, support our guys. And for me, like I stopped wearing polo shirts because I didn't want to wear Globo Homo brands anymore. But I have to say, having gotten some of the stuff from my friends at Rewild, uh, yeah, these are these are pretty cool and they fit nice. So check that out if you're interested. Thanks. Very cool. And uh, I guess that's it for this week. Um, remember, they said it, not us, and we don't endorse, but they said it open season mr producer hail victory see ya kyle boo fuck fucking fucking nigger <laughs>